Wow, awesome. Who wants to just keep going and watch the whole movie? My house, after church, you bring the food, we'll finish it. How's that sound? Well, good morning again. Welcome to Joy Church. My name is Johnny, and it's my pleasure to share the word with you. What a great clip as we get prepared to launch our At The Movie series. Now, as I told you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open in a moment to Luke chapter 4. You know, those movies, they just grip you. They suck you in, and you're just on the edge of your seat, eating your popcorn. I didn't have popcorns. I was eating my nails. Because you want to know what's going to happen. And as I was thinking about this, I wonder sometimes, why do we love stories like this so much? Right? Whether you're a Star Wars fan or you're not a Star Wars fan, why are we so enamored with these kind of stories? And I think all of us, if we're honest, deep down inside of us, we have just a special place in our heart for that hero versus the villain, right? For that good versus evil. And I think all of us inside of us, we have this, I want to be that hero, right? I want to overcome. I want to conquer. You know, I don't know if you've had this moment, but I know I have. You're in your bathroom, you're looking in your bathroom mirror, and you're imagining you're Luke Skywalker. You've done it. You've just conquered. You've defeated the dark side. You've defeated Kylo Ren. And now the whole world's watching, and you're giving your victory speech because you are so awesome. You ever had that moment? You know, maybe it wasn't taking on the dark side and beating Kylo Ren. Now, maybe it's that thing inside of you that says, I want to be a hero. I want to win. I want to overcome. A mom or a dad, and you say, I want to be the best mom or the best dad in the whole wide world. I want to give my kids the best life they could ever imagine. Maybe it's in your work. It's in your business. And you say, I want to succeed in my work. I want to climb the corporate ladder of success. I want to show the world how well I could do. Maybe it's health. And you say, I'm going to be the best at losing weight. Or I'm going to go win that race. Or I'm going to go win that competition. I think all of us, we have things in our lives, whether they're very meaningful or even a bit trivial, where we say, ah, I want to win. I want to be a hero. I want to be a conqueror. I want to be an overcomer. But here's the sad reality. I think if we're honest, many of us feel more like victims than victors in our own story. I think we have high hopes and aspirations to be the hero, but more often than not, we feel defeated. You know, sometimes life happens. Discouragement happens. Things didn't go the way that they thought they would. Things didn't go the way that we planned them. And rather than us in our bathroom mirror looking and yes, I'm the hero, I'm overcoming in life, I'm conquering, I'm living a victorious, overcoming life, sometimes we just settle and we just live defeated. Day after day, week after week, month after month, just coping and settling for a life that's so much less than we dreamed. You know, as you open your Bibles, Luke chapter 4, I want us to see this morning from God's Word how you and I can overcome our struggles. We can overcome those things, those things that you have just settled, saying, I guess I'm just a victim. I guess I'm never going to get past this. I guess this is my lot in life. This is who I am, and this is going to face. I want us to see from God's Word how you and I can overcome because Jesus has already overcome. I want us to see that that dream, that the desire inside of your heart and my heart to have victory and to be free can only be reached in Jesus. We're going to read in Luke chapter 4 verse 14. It says this, then Jesus returned to Galilee and he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. The reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly 
in their synagogues, and he was praised by everyone. Jesus was an amazing man who was doing some pretty amazing things. One day he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, and he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And here's where we're really going to focus in this morning. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then Jesus rolled up that scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue were looking at him. They looked at him intently. And then Jesus began to speak to them. This scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. We're going to see just in a moment why this is so powerful in our lives, because that scripture was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. Can we pray this morning, church? Father, I thank you so much that you are here. Lord, we thank you that your presence is in this room, that your spirit is in this room. Lord, even as your word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And God, even as we were worshiping and spending time in your presence, God, it's undeniable you are in this place. We just pray that, God, we would have open hearts to receive your word. God, we would have open eyes to see all that you have for us this morning. That, God, you would speak to every single one. That not one of us would leave this place the same way we walked in that Jesus, you would encounter us this morning in your word. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen. Now this moment that literally would change human history, when Jesus would walk into a synagogue in Nazareth and proclaim that he had fulfilled this scripture, we got to understand what's going on here. This was a pretty ordinary Sabbath for them. Just like you, we'd come to church, we'd gather, we'd sing the songs, might pray a few prayers, and then it was Jesus' turn to read the scripture. Everything's going pretty normal up until this point. But Jesus goes to Isaiah 61, and he begins to read that hundreds of years ago, a man named Isaiah had prophesied. He said, there is coming a day that a deliverer, that a savior, that the Messiah of Israel is going to come. For hundreds and thousands of years, the people of Israel had been waiting for their Messiah. And Isaiah 61 was one of the key places where they saw the hope that one day the Spirit-anointed and empowered Messiah would come to bring freedom, to bring liberty and justice for all people. You know, just kind of like the resistance was waiting on Luke Skywalker. They're saying, man, life doesn't look the way we thought it would. Everything around us doesn't look good. We think the dark side is going to take over. We think Kylo Ren is going to take over the world. Just in that sense, they're waiting. They thought, maybe Luke can set us free. Maybe Luke's going to be the one that's going to deliver us. In a much greater sense, the people of Israel were waiting for Jesus. Now, they didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know the name of this person that was coming. All they knew is that he would come to bring justice, that he would come to bring freedom, and that he would come to bring liberty. But it didn't just start here in Isaiah. It started thousands of years earlier. If you go to the very beginning of your Bible, you don't got to go there, all the way to the book of Genesis 3, chapter 15. God had created us to be those heroes. God had created us to be without sin, walking with him, overcoming, walking in victory. But the very first pages of the Bible, if you know it, man sinned. We are separated from God. And there's this moment right in the middle of our sin 
right in the middle of our brokenness with Adam and Eve. God pronounces these curses against man, against woman, against the devil. But right here, right in the heart of our sin, God makes a promise of hope. It's Genesis 3.15. The way I remember it is Genesis 3.15, a promise of hope. John 3.16, hope fulfilled. God prophesies and he tells us, he says, devil, I'll read it for you from John or Genesis 3.15. He says, I will put enmity, like there's going to be war between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. But here's the first glimpse of a hope in the Bible right at the beginning. He says, my offspring is going to bruise your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. We're going to unpack that a little bit later. When Jesus comes on a normal Sabbath, on an ordinary church service, and when he starts reading the scripture from Isaiah 61, the people were still waiting. And we can't understand this moment unless we understand that people were living in hopelessness. All their life looked forward to this day that would come someday. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for one that would conquer. And when Jesus read Isaiah 61, this is why it's so meaningful. Because he does something so absolutely crazy. He says, you've been waiting for hundreds of years. You've actually been waiting for thousands of years. All the way from the Garden of Eden, God made a promise that he would send a Savior. And he says, this promise is fulfilled right in your very midst. And the people who are waiting, Jesus says, no more waiting. The time of waiting is over. The Messiah has come. You know, we can't understand what this feels like because our whole world is looking backward, but their whole world is looking forward, and Jesus comes, and he says, I am that Messiah. I want you to hear Isaiah 61 on the lips of Jesus different. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. They'd spent their whole life waiting for that one. And Jesus says, no more waiting, dudes. It's me. He says, he, God, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That spirit has anointed me, Jesus, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will go free. And that in me, Jesus, the time of the Lord's favor had come. Every single promise made by God was kept and it was fulfilled in Jesus. And church, this is really, really good news for us today. I want to encourage you this morning, if you feel discouraged, if you walked in this place defeated or disappointed at what your life looks like, if you walked in with your head down at your shoes, could you say, I feel a lot more like a victim than a victor. I want you to see the first point, that Jesus Christ is our greatest hero and he is the overcomer. Now, I was homeschooled by a English nerd, and I love English and language. This is the definite article, the, not a overcomer, not an overcomer, but he's the overcomer. You know, rather than looking into ourselves for freedom and hope and victory, we look to Jesus. He is that promised deliverer from Isaiah 61. Something unique about Christianity is that our whole faith centers around one man, and his name is Jesus. You know, the sad reality is that apart from Christ, we all are victims. We're victims to our sin. We're victims to our guilt. We're victims to our guilt and our shame and our condemnation. And even worse, according to Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, all of us will one day die and face an eternity separated from God in hell. If we're honest, why the world looks the way it is, it's because this is our condition. In all of our efforts to overcome and be the hero, 
all of our striving, our working, our toiling, all of it ultimately leads us to bondage, to brokenness, to addiction, to physical death, and ultimately separation from God for eternity. And I think if we're honest with each other, this is what we know to be true. Our world is a broken place with sin, with bondage, even in our own hearts, the brokenness that we carry, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. That is our condition. But this is why Jesus said he came with good news. 2,000 years later, Jesus' words still echo out true. He's still saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is that hero and that overcomer. How? It's a good question. If you're pragmatic like me, you've got to ask yourself how. Because Jesus overcame sin and death and Satan and all the power of hell on that cross. You know, those incredible promises that Jesus read from Isaiah 61 were the result of his suffering. Jesus would bear all the sins of the world on his shoulders. He would be beaten, stripped naked, and nailed to a wooden cross. However, there was so much more going on here than what we can see with our natural eyes. This was not just the execution of an innocent Jewish man. It was not just the physical death of an innocent man on a cross, but the slaughter of the pure and spotless Lamb of God. On that cross, Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, bore all of our sins on himself. He was the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And this is the good news that Jesus brings, that he had come to drink the fullness of God's wrath. And on that cross, as Jesus died, knowing that his work was completed, he uttered three words that should make us celebrate this morning. As he breathed his last breath on that cross, he said, it is finished. And when he said it, the work was done. And then Jesus breathed his last breath as our Messiah. But praise God that this story doesn't end on Calvary. Three days later, Jesus, the suffering Lamb of God, would rise as the conquering Lion of Judah. He fulfilled that prophecy of Genesis 3.15 literally. Yes, in his death, Jesus was bruised by the enemy, but in his death, he crushed the head of Satan. When he rose again, when Jesus rose again, he's the only one who can say these words. You got to hear this. This is Revelation chapter 1. He says, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. Now for you and I, this sentence ends with a period. I died. But only Jesus gets to keep going. Only Jesus gets to say, I died, and behold, I am alive forever. Oh, I'm spilling water up here. I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. This is the Jesus that we serve. He's alive. He gets to look, and he says, I have overcome. And because Jesus is overcome, I want you to see why this is such good news for you and me. Because he's the only one who could say, it is finished. I paid the price. I died so you could live. I took the fullness of God's wrath so you wouldn't have to. You might say, that's great news, Johnny. I got something cool you could read in a book. That's something cool I guess we're hearing in church. But what about my life? What about my pain? What about my brokenness? What about my condition? You know, I'm really glad that you asked me. <laughs> because Jesus still declares victory over our adversity. 
Jesus is our greatest hero and the overcomer, but he declares victory over our adversity. You know, Jesus' victory, I want you to see it, what we just talked about, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That amazing victory comes face to face with your adversity. It comes face to face with your brokenness. And Jesus always wins. You know, I was thinking about when you check you know, the Ducks score or whatever team you love when you check their score. Usually it's a couple of wins and a couple of losses. When you check Jesus' score, it's nothing but wins. There's no losses ever. And I love this. How does this affect us today? Number one, when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, two, he had a purpose. Jesus didn't just show up, do something, and leave. He had a purpose to enact real change in our lives. And he said that the Son of Man has come to give his life as a ransom for many. Yes, he came to save us for eternity. That is the greatest work accomplished by Jesus on that cross. But that work that he does has real tangible effects in our life. He said, I've come to bring good news to the poor. You know, in Jesus' life, who would you imagine him surrounding himself with? The powerful, the awesome, the people who had everything going together, going for good? No. Jesus surrounded himself with the poor, the disenfranchised, and the outcast. And he came to bring them good news. He gave his life for the least of these. You know, this morning, maybe you're literally poor in finances, struggling to pay your bills, feed your family, and make ends meet. Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus is with you, and he loves you. The poor in Jesus' time were considered to be nothing. You know, maybe you're not physically poor, but you feel worthless. Maybe on the inside, you just feel like a nothing, unlovable. But Jesus comes this morning to you with good news. The greatest news in all the world is that he has given his life to rescue you for eternity. You know, I love this about Jesus. All this power, all this glory. God himself, he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care whether you're rich or you're poor. He doesn't care what kind of car you drive or house you live in or if you don't have a house or a car. doesn't matter. He freely and indiscriminately gives himself to you. I want you to think of it like you, not them, not us, but you. Even if out of eight billion people, if you were the poorest person on the planet, you have eternal treasure and reward waiting for you in Jesus. Jesus offers all of us, the rich, the poor, and everybody in between, something worth more than the whole entire world and all of its treasure put together. I want you to hear his offer to you. In Revelation 22, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. This morning, you might feel like you've messed up so bad, like there's no way Jesus could love you. Can I tell you something? He says, come. I don't have money, Lord, come. God, I'm I'm too ashamed to come, come. Come to me, you labor, you're heavy laden, come. No matter how you feel this morning, Jesus brings you good news. Jesus said that he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. I want to encourage you this morning, if you feel like a captive, you know, first, if you don't know Christ, maybe you're you're living in addiction, maybe you're living in bondage, maybe you're living like you're in this prison and, and you don't know how to get out, Jesus is the only way out of captivity. But second, I would encourage us Christians, Jesus didn't save us so we could just look the same as we looked in the world. He came to set us free. And I want to encourage you. You know, as I was talking in the first service, 
You know, I think a lot of us, we live in our own prison cells of our addiction, of our bondage, of our brokenness. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. And what Jesus declares is, I've come to open the prison doors. Like, all you got to do is walk out. Like, the work is already done. I want to encourage some of you this morning. Maybe you walked in and you've dealt with the same struggle for five years or 10 years or 20 years. I don't know what that looks like. But there's good news in Jesus. It wouldn't be good news, great news if we could just do it on our own. The good news, it doesn't matter how long you've struggled. It doesn't matter how long you've been in captivity. Jesus came to set the captives free. Then he said, I've come that, blind, that the blind will see. You know, it gives us great confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do what he said he could do because he proved it not just spiritually, but also physically. Jesus proved it physically. You know, there's no other account in the whole Bible except for Paul, but he wasn't literally blind. He had stuff over his eyes. There's no other account of anyone else opening up blind eyes. And in the Old Testament, I believe it's Isaiah 42, there's this prophecy that the Messiah, the saving one, is going to come. And one of the marks, it might sound funny, but it's one of the proofs that the Messiah had come is that he's gonna open up blind eyes. Like that doesn't happen. That's not normal. But if you've read the New Testament, Jesus didn't just open up blind eyes, but he opened up deaf ears. People who were out of their mind, he put them back in their right mind. And my favorite is that dead people couldn't get around Jesus without coming back to life. You know, we say around here sometimes that Jesus ruined every funeral he ever attended. You know, if you love the person, invite him. If you don't love the person, don't invite Jesus to come to that funeral because they're getting back up to walk, right? <laughs> Jesus was powerful. And in the New Testament, John, John gets doubtful. The same John who says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Then he goes, I don't know if this is really the right Jesus. Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the one? And it's interesting that when John sends his disciples, it says in Luke 7, in that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, what did he do? He bestowed sight. And then he said, hey guys, go and tell this to John. Go tell him what you've seen and you've heard. That the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. You know, John would have been sitting in a prison cell going, it's the one. Only the Messiah could do that. Only that anoint, spirit anointed and spirit empowered one could do that. And John's heart in the prison cell got encouraged. Whatever your life looks like, I hope you're encouraged that that same Jesus doesn't change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's working in your life. You know, don't make Jesus small in your eyes. Don't make him what you think he is. Look in the word of God and see him for who he really is. He's the God who heals. He's the God who changes people's hearts. He's a God who changes people in a way that we can't. You know, I'm skipping the next point, but I love the story of a man named Legion in the New Testament. And this man, Legion, was filled with demons and he was out of his mind and he was so out of control that he lived naked. They'd put him in a graveyard. They tried to chain him down with shackles and they couldn't keep him bound. And when everyone had give up, given up on him, Jesus comes. And one second with Jesus changed a whole lifetime of bondage. One second with Jesus set a captive free. I want to encourage you, that's our Jesus. That's the Jesus that we serve. Jesus said that the oppressed will go free. You know, what kind of oppression do you face in your heart and in your life today? 
What are you battling? What are you walking through? I love in Isaiah 61 that Jesus, that it says in Isaiah, that that one would come to comfort all who mourn. You know, I know in a room this size that some of you came in with a broken heart. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what your life looks like. Can I tell you something? Jesus comes to comfort you. Don't walk out of this place without coming to the comfort of Jesus. So he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, you don't have to live with a broken heart. I don't know how God can govern the galaxies and hold 10 zillion stars in his hands, and yet somehow he still has time for my little broken heart. I want to encourage you this morning, bring your cares to Jesus. Bring your brokenness to Jesus because he comes to heal you to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. He comes to give you the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that you may be called an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'd encourage you this morning. You know, even Christians, I, I know what it's like that sometimes we get beat up on the journey. We get beat up along the way, and sometimes we think there's this amazing, loving, kind, merciful Jesus to save us, and then he leaves us on our own, but he just keeps saying, come. Is your heart broken? Just come. You know, I think the, the weakest Christians are the ones that get the most help from Jesus because we just keep saying, God, help. God, I got issues. You got to help. God, I'm going through this struggle. Like, God knows this voice because it cries out to him a lot, not because I'm a strong Christian because I'm a desperate Christian for Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning. You can leave changed. You can leave with the heart that's healed and the heart that's restored. And the last thing that Jesus said, that the time of the Lord's favor had come. And I'm gonna invite the worship team back up here as we prepare in a moment to close. When a preacher says we're gonna close, that means you've got two hours left at least. No, <laughs> just kidding. Jesus says the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, this is really interesting because if you go all the way to Isaiah chapter 61, it says the time of the Lord's favor has come and the day of vengeance of our God. I think they have it up there. Let me find it. I have it right here. And the day of vengeance of our God. The people imagined that God would come with favor and with judgment, with favor and with vengeance all at the same time. But Jesus is saying something totally different that eventually in part would get him killed on a cross, primarily that he was that Messiah. But Jesus was saying there will be a day of vengeance. There will be a day of judgment. Every single one of us, like we saw, apart from Jesus, are under the wrath of God. If we die and we're not covered by Jesus' blood, we'll be separated by God from eternity. And that judgment is coming. But Jesus said something that totally just turns our heads around. He says, that time is not today. He says, today is a time of the Lord's favor. And it's not just one day. For the people of Israel, they would have one year every seven years or one year every 49 years of freedom and of liberty and of forgiveness. But Jesus is saying, that day is today. In every single second, in every single moment, from now until I return with vengeance, there's a moment for you to find favor. There's a moment for us to find freedom and to find his love and his grace and his kindness and his mercy. I want to encourage you. You know, Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I have a promise to you. The Lord says, there's a moment to find his goodness. There's a moment to find his favor. There's a moment to find his forgiveness and his compassion. There will be a day when Jesus will split the eastern sky and he will come back. And the Bible says it's the great and terrible day of the Lord. Because on that day, if you do not know Jesus, 
it's a very scary reality that you'll be thrown into hell forever. I didn't make that up. It's in the word of God. But God is so loving and God is so kind that he sent his son Jesus to make a way for us to find hope. And every second, not once every seven years, not once every 49 years, every second in Jesus, there's favor available. You know, right now, some of my friends in India, it's like 2 a.m. and God's ready to hear their prayers. For us at 12 p.m., God's ready to hear us every second. Every moment is the favor of the Lord. This morning, I'd encourage you. Maybe you don't know Jesus. That's okay. Maybe you do. That you bring your struggles. You bring those circumstances in your life to Jesus. Whatever you're facing, Jesus declares victory because he has already overcome. The battle's over. The victory is won by Jesus. And you can experience his victory today. Amen, church? And I want to give you three applications quickly. And we're going to close in prayer. And then you can go eat wherever you want. I mean that in and out. I love in and out. The last point I have for you, point number three, if you're taking notes. First, Jesus is the greatest hero and the overcomer. Number two, Jesus declares victory over our adversity. But I want you to get this in your bones this morning, that he overcame so that we could just live in a prison cell of shame. No. He overcame so our lives could just look the same. No, it rhymes, but it's not right. He overcame so that we can overcome. Jesus overcame so that you and I can overcome. And I want you to see how this changes everything. Because Jesus takes us in our brokenness. He takes us in our weakness. He takes us in our addiction. He doesn't care how you come. But I can make you a promise. He will not leave you the same. He doesn't just say you're going to heaven someday. But he brings heaven into our hearts. And he begins to change us. And we go from being defeated. We go from being depressed. We go from just being under the captivity of the enemy to now I am an overcomer. Like God is changing me from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 3 says we're literally beholding the glory of God. And because he's an overcomer, we start to become overcomers as well. Your portion, if you know Jesus Christ, do you know who you are? Not what you feel like you are. Not what you think you are. But do you want to know what God says you are? He says you're more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. I didn't make that up. Romans chapter 8. It says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? Who is to condemn or who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed at this moment is interceding for us. Hear this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Maybe this morning you feel like there's 10 million things separating you from Jesus. What can separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Hear this. This is what God says about you. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. Jesus overcame so that you and I can overcome. If you know Jesus, you don't have to live beaten down by sin. 
You don't have to live beaten down by addiction or by bondage. Jesus overcame so that you could overcome. And you got to cry out of your heart. Say, no, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. For what shall separate us? I think I went to the wrong part. For I am sure, some translations say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're more than a conqueror. Application number one, you got to believe and receive the victory that Jesus has won for you. It's done. The work is finished. You know, you got to look at that cross. And I just encourage you, God has to work something in our hearts that I can't explain. That you look at that cross and you just realize it's finished. Jesus paid it all. My sin was nailed on that cross. And when he died, according to Romans chapter 6, I was buried with him. But when he rose, I rose with him. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith. It is not our own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Something's got to change inside of us where we say, I believe what God says about me louder than what I believe my past says about me. I believe what God says about me louder than I believe what anybody else says about me. Here's a good one. I believe what God says about me louder than what my emotions say about me. Sometimes your emotions tell you all kinds of stuff. You don't got to believe it. What's the application? That you begin to fill yourself with the word of God. You want to be an overcomer? It starts with knowing what Jesus accomplished for us. You got to cling to it. And sometimes when the battle comes and the storm comes, I know what it's like to be beaten down with guilt or with shame or with condemnation. Don't you remember this thing you did or don't you remember this in your life or you're not good enough. Who are you to do this? Anybody been there? Feeling defeated? I'm not an overcomer. I know who I am. But you got to cling to God's word and say, God, I believe that I am who you say I am. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle for lukewarm Christianity. I'm not going to settle for secret sin and addiction. I'm not going to settle to live in a prison of unforgiveness and bitterness. But God, I will believe what you say about me louder than what anybody else says about me. Number two, you begin to walk in the victory of Jesus. Those scriptures you hide in your heart, you go to battle. Those are your weapons. And sometimes you got to fight. Remember Jesus being tempted by the devil? The devil comes at temptation. He says, heck no, Satan. It's written. This is the truth. This is what God says. This is who I am. Freedom doesn't always come easy. Jesus has already won the battle. His story's over. Our story's still being worked out. Every single day, I just encourage you, get the word of God, put on worship music, begin to say, this is who I am in Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. What do you feel like? I feel really scared, but God says I'm a conqueror. I feel really tempted, but God says I can overcome temptation. Doesn't matter what my mind says. Doesn't matter what my emotions say. It matters what God says about me. And finally, your homework for that one is you go to, the war, you go to war with the word of God, with prayer, with worship, and you fight. Everything you saw about Jesus, he did so you could be in freedom. He did so you wouldn't be in bondage. I want to encourage you, Jesus did not die so you could live a Christian bound with shackles and chains. Jesus did not die so you could be a Christian but have a Christian life that's just oppressed. Jesus died so you could be free. And the word of God says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. I encourage you to fight. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit. Be like that woman who says, she just came to that judge's door and knocked night and day and day and night saying, I want justice. 
You come and say, God, I'm struggling. God, there's this area of my heart. I won't quit. I won't give up till you hear my prayer. And last but not least, we believe it and receive it. We walk in it and then we share it. Jesus sets us free so we can set other people free. You know, something happens in your life. You're going to become a living, breathing, walking testimony. People are going to say, I remember you were addicted. I remember you were depressed. I remember this or that. I remember your marriage was falling apart. And you say, yeah, that was who I was. But I got to tell you what God did in my life. I got to tell you what Jesus did in my world. And you begin to be a living, breathing testimony of Jesus to the world. And in that scripture, Isaiah 61, that Jesus quoted in Luke 4, do you know, because you and I are the body of Jesus, we can say that about ourselves. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We can say the Spirit is upon me to bring good news to the poor. The Spirit is upon me. Johnny Schmelzer, put your name in there. Becky, O'Reilly. The Spirit's on me to go set some captives free. The Spirit's on me to go bring some good news to some broken lost people, to go tell the whole wide world that the time of the Lord's favor has come. When God does a work inside of you, it doesn't stay in you, it explodes out of you. Amen. He overcame so we could overcome. If you want to close your eyes, church, you know, every week we want to give an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. You know, there's nothing greater than this, that someone would go from not knowing God or not walking with God to giving their life to Him. You know, Jesus loves you so much that He died so you could live. You know, every single one of us, we don't know when we're going to take our last breath. We don't want to know when it's our last day on this planet. Jesus died so you could have certainty, so you could know, I have eternal life with God. He died on that cross. He was buried in that tomb, but he rose again. And one day he's coming back or we'll meet him in death. I don't want one person to walk out of this place without knowing I have given my life to Jesus. He loves you and he cares about you. And this morning he gives you an opportunity. If you say, Johnny, I want to give my life to Jesus. Every eye is closed in this place. Would you just lift your hand in this place and say, man, I want to give my life to him. The Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So right now, in this place, if you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, just lift up your hand, and we're going to pray for you. Awesome. I see that hand. Praise God. Anybody else? It's the greatest decision you ever make. Wow. Three hands. That's so awesome. Anybody else? You're not alone in this place. So great. Can we just give a shout of praise to God for every person? Awesome. Church, can we just pray all together? And as we pray this prayer, if you lifted your hand, we're just putting your faith in Jesus. Say, Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to die so I could live. Thank you that you said, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I would be saved. Jesus, you are Lord and I believe you are alive. Wash me and cleanse me from all my sins and make me new. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. We're going to do one final prayer. If you just say, man, Johnny, would you pray? I want to walk in more victory in my life. My hand's the first one that's up. If that's you, say, I want to walk in the victory of Jesus more. Just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for all of us. That's awesome. Father, I thank you for that great work that you accomplished on the cross. Thank you that, Jesus, you loved every single one of us so much that you died so we could live. That, Jesus, I pray even right now, even for Christians, those that are mourning this morning, would you come and comfort them? God, Christians that walked in this place, or non-Christians with broken hearts, Jesus, I thank you. You're the healer. 
Jesus, I thank you that you hold every broken heart. I thank you, God, people that walked in this place, even with addictions and bondages. Jesus, I thank you that you break chains, that you set people free. God, even people in their mind, whether it's anxiety, it might be depression, it might just be mental illness. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the God who sets people free and changes lives. Bring freedom in every heart and every life. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen.